line and then you sing the second line. Glory to God, glory to God, glory in the high. Yes, your turn. Glory to God. To God be glory forever. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Okay, on the end, you can choose to keep singing. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. You can choose the low one or the hallelujah, amen, or the higher one. Okay, pick one right now. Hmm, bum, Ready, sing together. Hallelujah, amen. Okay, now let's do that from the beginning and very, very confidently. But what you're going to have to follow is I'm going to change from Spanish to English so you watch and find where I am as we go along. Let's all stand and do this from the top. Here we go. All right, from the top. Glory to God, glory to God, glory in the high. Yes, your turn. Glory to God, glory to God, glory I see. To God be glory forever. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Gloria a Dios, Gloria a Dios, Gloria Jesus Cristo. Adios, la gloria se siempre. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Gloria a Dios, gloria a Dios, gloria al Espíritu. Adios, la gloria por siempre. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. You may be seated. Hi, my name is Josiah Tate. I'm at Calvary because my mom and dad bring me, but, but I love Calvary because we discuss scriptures in Sunday school and Fuse is fun. I would like to welcome you to Calvary this morning, especially anyone who has never been here before. I hope you like it as much as I do. During worship today, you will need a hymnal and a worship folder. The hymnal is the book in front of you in the pew. Please raise your hand if you need a worship folder. If you are new to Calvary, we would like you we would like to know you. So please fill out the visitor card in the pew in front of you and place it in the offering plate later in the service. 
Calvary would love the chance to follow up with you with, by email or phone to get to know you better. This is also a way for you. This is also a way you can ask for more information about the different ministries at Calvary, or for anyone to share how we can be praying for you in the coming of week. Pastor Mary Ellis has been talking with us during this series about God always surprises, but I want to tell you about my favorite surprise this year. Her name is Cammy. She is our dog, and we just got her in February, and she's the best. My mom totally surprised us when a friend gave Cammy to us. That's how God surprised me. I hope you enjoy your worship today.
Father, we are here this day to praise you, for you are a Lord of surprises. We ask that you help us when times are rough and are with us in times of joy this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
A reading from Isaiah. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their herbage. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up their pools. I will lead the blind by a road they do not know, by paths they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I will do, and I will not forsake them. They shall be turned back and utterly put to shame, those who trust in carved images, who say to cast images, you are our God. Listen, you that are deaf and, that, and you that are blind, look up and see who is blind but my servant, or deaf like my messenger whom I send, who is blind like my dedicated one, or blind like the servant of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is my eye myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Hallelujah! 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 God makes you sing. Hallelujah! 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 Your love makes me sing. Y'all could hear me. The children can come join me up here for the children's message. <laughs> Although they may already all be here. <laughs> sound great. Good morning. How are you? Well, these past few weeks, we've been talking about how God always surprises us, just like our bracelets remind us. Raise your hand if you've ever been surprised. Yeah? What surprised you? Jada? The what? That your grades were good? <laughs> it's always a good surprise, Josiah. Yeah, I heard yours, Cammie. Oh, yeah, surprise parties when you're little are sometimes scary. Yeah? Steel? Your sister, yeah. <laughs> when she pops out from places to scare you? Yeah, that's not always the best surprise. Well, today I have this pot full of And the first through third graders will recognize them because they helped me plant them last week. But don't say anything about what's inside because there's not just dirt in them, right? We see right here there's something, there's a surprise growing out from the dirt. 
Well, what do you think is growing? First through third graders, you can't answer. Janus? A plant, very observant of you. A flower, maybe. Anybody else, Josiah? A tomato plant? All good guesses. Well, guess what? I'm not going to tell you what's growing. We'll all just have to wait together for a few weeks to see what the surprise will be. It's kind of like when God plants seeds in our lives or puts thoughts into our hearts. We don't always know what they're going to be at first, but we can trust that God is making them grow, and we can look forward to the surprise that's coming. Our verse for the next few weeks also reminds us of the surprising fact that if we trust in Jesus and commit our lives to him, we are new creations. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So can you all repeat that after me? I'll say each phrase and then you'll repeat it. Ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for creating us and for continually surprising us with the things that you do in our lives. I pray that as we watch these plants grow the next few weeks, we would also be aware of the way that you're making us grow in our own lives. Thank you for bringing us here today and for all that we'll learn and worship. In your name I pray. Amen. stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings, this is amazing grace. Failing love that you. 
Now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts all together in this room be found pleasing in your sight. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Joyful, joyful Lord, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Mount the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Well, I begin my sermon this morning with Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, a song which is considered to be one of the most joyful hymns in the English language. Because today's scripture reading in Luke actually comes from the most joyful gospel in our Bible. 
The Gospel writer Luke is a big fan of joy. He uses the word more than Matthew, Mark, or John. And in fact, Luke's Gospel is bookended with joy. So Luke begins with an angel telling Zechariah that his wife will bear a son and that he will have joy and gladness at his birth. And this event is just the precursor for what's coming. Because on the night when Jesus is born, there are angels who appear to the shepherds in the fields that night saying, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then if you flip all the way to the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus calls the disciples to be his witnesses. And he lifts up his hands to bless them. And as he ascends into heaven, they return to Jerusalem with great joy. It's Luke who tells us that the 70 disciples who Jesus sends out return with joy. And when Jesus tells a parable about the shepherd who finds his lost sheep, the shepherd joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders and returns home because there will be more joy in heaven, he says, over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not. So all I'm really trying to say is that if Luke's friends had created a bingo board about the most commonly used words and phrases, joy would probably be the middle square. Because according to Luke, Jesus brings good news of great joy. And we see that from beginning to end. But if we only read those parts of Luke's gospel, we might be tempted to think that joy only comes in the exciting moments, in birth announcements from angels, when Jesus is giving the disciples their next big assignment, or when something that has been lost is found. And if we were to only focus on those texts, we might think that joy only comes when things are going well, or when the news is good when something exciting is about to happen, or when God's blessing is so close that we can just touch it. But today's text reminds us that joy can surprise us in the most unexpected moments, too. So today we pick up right where we left off last week in Luke 24, starting in verse 36. Jesus has appeared to the disciples in Emmaus, and they've run back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the friends the news that they've heard about him is actually true, that Christ is risen. Good job. So while they're standing around and talking about what has happened, Jesus appears and just stands right in front of them. And once again, the disciples have no idea what to do with the risen Jesus. And the thing is, we can critique them all we want, but the reality is you and I would be no different, would we? But time and time again, God always surprises. Well, this surprise is so great that they just can't make sense of it at all. At the empty tomb, the way that Mary made sense of the situation was to tell herself that the man speaking to her must be a gardener. And in this moment, the story that the disciples are telling themselves is that they must be seeing a ghost. There's just no other way for the story to make sense. 
And Jesus says to them, why are you frightened? Why do you doubt? You can touch me and see that I'm not a ghost. I have skin. I have bones. And when he says this, when he says this, he shows them the scars on his hands and his feet. And here in verse 41, I think Luke writes what are some of the most beautiful and honest words in all of Scripture. That while the disciples are disbelieving and still wondering, they are filled with joy. While they're disbelieving, they still have joy. You see, these words remind me that having joy doesn't mean that we have everything figured out, does it? Joy and doubt are not necessarily mutually exclusive. We can live with joy and still be filled with a whole host of other emotions. Because even in the midst of their disbelieving and their wondering, the disciples experience great joy at the news of the risen Lord. The movie Inside Out tells the story of an 11-year-old girl from the Midwest named Riley. And Riley's world is turned upside down one day when her parents tell her that they are moving across the country to San Francisco. But the movie really isn't as much about Riley or her family as it is about Riley's emotions. You see, there are these characters called joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust, and they all live in the headquarters of Riley's brain, where all of her memories are processed and ultimately stored away in her long-term memory. And each memory is placed in a marble and given a different color. So, for example, sad memories are blue, happy memories are yellow, angry memories are red. But when Riley moves to San Francisco, sadness begins to play a bigger role in the story, and more and more of Riley's memories are turning blue, which is driving the character named Joy absolutely crazy. So Joy does everything she can to keep sadness away from any future memories. She even draws a circle on the ground and says to sadness, all you have to do is stay inside this circle and don't come out. Doesn't that sound like fun? But what happens as the story progresses is that a friendship actually develops between joy and sadness. And they both learn the value of one another. And in one of the best scenes of the movie, the memory marbles at the headquarters of Riley's brain start to become multicolored, signaling that as we grow and develop, our emotions can be multidimensional too. And so Riley's sad memory over losing a hockey game is also filled with joy because of her love for her family and friends and the way they came around her and celebrated her in that game. It's a great reminder that joy doesn't exist in isolation. Like the disciples who, while in their joy, were disbelieving and still wondering what in the world was going on. Luke Powery, who's the dean of Duke Chapel, says, The truth that is beyond telling is that joy often comes in the midst of sorrow and not apart from it, always affiliated with it, just as the resurrection doesn't erase from Christ's hands and feet 
the wounds of the crucifixion. You see, I believe that there's something about joy that actually isn't even possible for us to know without also knowing sorrow. In the way that we really wouldn't know the beauty of a colorful sunrise without also knowing the darkness of the night. Angela Gorell is an incoming professor at Truett Seminary. And Jenny Chilton was telling me a week ago that one of her areas of research is actually the study of joy. And so a few years ago, Angela wanted to know what it looked like, what it really looked like for people to truly experience joy in the midst of dark times. And so she decided to go to one of the places one might least expect to find joy, a maximum security prison for women. And once a week, she would lead a Bible study for women there. She couldn't tell them her profession or anything about herself besides her name. On one of Angela's first visits to the prison, she immediately noticed a woman who seemed pretty upset and agitated and sat separately from the rest of the women in the group. And so Angela sat down and began to talk with her, and she learned that it was the woman's 25th birthday that day, and she desperately missed her children, all of whom had been taken away from her. The woman didn't engage much with Angela that day, but she kept coming back to the small group week after week. And over some time, the woman inched closer and closer to the group and even began to participate in the Bible study. And then one week, in the middle of the Bible study, the woman began to cry. And then she began to sob. And the women she had once kept at a safe distance were now surrounding her in that moment, trying to comfort her, telling her that things would be okay, that she would get to see her children again. But when she finally was able to stop crying, the woman said, no, you all have it all wrong. And then she said, you see, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I've never felt joy like this ever before. And in a moment when Angela and all of these women least expected to see it, joy sprang up among them, right in the middle of a small cinder block room in a maximum security prison. Friends, in what way do you need God to surprise you with completely unexpected joy? Because perhaps it's in times and places when joy is most surprising to us that it is also most significant to us. As Professor Willie Jennings explains, joy, he says, is an act of resistance against despair and death. This oppositional joy, as he calls it, humanizes dehumanizing conditions without ever justifying or glorifying our suffering. And so how can you and I develop an oppositional joy as an act of resistance against despair? I believe that when Henry Van Dyke was writing the hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, in 1907, 
He was doing so as an act of oppositional joy. He wrote these hymn lyrics one weekend in Massachusetts when he found himself completely inspired by the beauty of the Berkshire Mountains. But he didn't necessarily write the song during a mountaintop moment in his life or in our world. Tensions in Europe were escalating, and these were particularly dark days that were leading up to the beginning of World War I. Van Dyke actually wrote of his song, these verses are expressions that may be sung together by people who are not afraid that any revolution on earth will overthrow the kingdom of heaven. And so Van Dyke, who also spent time as a military chaplain, wrote the hymn as an act of opposition to counter the doom that was so prevalent within the world and instead to offer a bold and defiant word of joy in the midst of it all. To borrow words from Frederick Buechner, I believe that something can Easter up out of the dimness. I believe that something like joy can Easter up out of our dimness even when we least expect it. Because the surprise of Easter is that the risen Christ wants to bring us good news of great joy still. And that joy can Easter up within all of us. And so may the prayer and the song of our lives this Easter season be one of oppositional, surprising Easter joy. I'm going to invite us all to sing the song that I sang at the beginning of the sermon. The first verse of Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee as our prayer together today and as an act of oppositional joy. It's actually number one in your hymnal in front of you if you need the words. But let's offer these words as our prayer today. Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Amen. Well, maybe today you would like to respond to the surprise of that very first Easter morning in the news of Jesus' resurrection. Maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary, where we seek to follow Jesus together, living as Easter people, and living as people of joy in the best ways we know how. We would love to visit with you about that today. And so however God leads you to respond in this time, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary, ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.
Dear Lord, bless this offering to be used for the good of your church. Please help us all to remember the great things you have done in our lives. Please help all the struggles that have happened to us in the past week be a lesson for all of us to remember your grace in the end. Thank you for those who have contributed today, and may we all walk out of this church blessing everyone around us. Amen. Thank you. 
Well, first, I just want to say a huge thank you to our children for so beautifully leading us in worship today. I think that last song especially was what I know I needed to hear. So thank you all for surprising us with unexpected joy through your music. And you were doing so much more than singing songs. You really were helping all of us to experience God in this place. So thank you. Thank you, Miss Sherry, and all of your leaders for all of your hard work throughout the year to prepare for today and for all the ways you've led us in worship. I hope as you leave today that you will find one or two children on your way out and encourage them and thank them for their leadership today. Also, I don't know if you received an email last night. We were trying to get word out quickly, but our ministry conference and lunch that was originally scheduled for today is unfortunately needed to be canceled because our fellowship hall and kitchen are flooded. Um, And so we are disappointed about that, um, but our plans in the meantime are we have packets available as you leave today in the Welcome Center with all of the different reports from our different areas of coordinating council. And there's one packet, I think, per family unit to be able to take with you today. So pick up one of those packets. If you see any corrections or changes that need to be made to a report, if you'll please let David Lentz know about that, and that way we can continue to get the word out about some of the updates from coordinating council. Well, as we end worship today, we wanted to end with a time of commissioning, knowing that several of us are getting ready to serve on mission in some way this summer. And if that is you, I would love to invite you to go on and make your way forward, and we'll just make a line right here at the front of the sanctuary. If you are going on a mission trip, so I'm looking at our youth right in front of me, Um, If you are working at a summer camp, if you are doing any kind of ministry work this summer, we would love for you to participate in this time and for the Calvary family to know how you'll be serving and what you'll be doing. Oh, okay, there you go. Oh, this is awesome. I think we have a few making their way down from the balcony, but I'm going to go on and start down here. If you would tell us your name and where or how you'll be serving this summer. Hi, I'm Michael Herter. I'll be doing my Truett Mentoring this summer. Uh, The first half of that will include a pilgrimage in Europe, and then I'll be spending the second half of the summer in Little Rock at Second Baptist Church. Hi, I'm Sarah Weaver. I will uh, be going on a... Uh, trip to Guatemala this summer with a uh, group from a church in Georgia where some of our family attends. And and then in August, I will be going to Restoration Gateway in Uganda with a group from Baylor um, working in the clinic and hospital there. I am Becca Weaver, and I'm also going to Guatemala with her. I'm Anna Weaver, and uh, I'm going with the youth to South Texas. I'm Ellie Becker, and I'm going to South Texas with the youth. I'm Anna Hogan. I'm also going to South Texas with the youth. I'm Lorianne Fleming, and I'll be a chaperone with the youth um, to South Texas. I'm Evan Fleming. I'll be interning at Calvary this summer through the CBF, and I will be co-leading the mission trip to South Texas. I'm Dylan Hatcher, and I'm also going to South Texas this summer. Randall Bradley, and I will be spending a few days in Kenya. Bobby Martinez, and I'll also be chaperoning in South Texas. I'm Guillermo Almeida, and I'll be in Tbilisi, Republic of Georgia, this summer. I'm Sheila Smith, and I'll be working uh, 
at the Notre Dame University, it's the Maronite Catholic University in Beirut, Lebanon, to uh, set up a disability support office uh, with them at that, uh, on that campus. Tim Smith going to Lebanon to help Sheila. <laughs> I'm Darren Guthrie and I'm going to South Texas. Nicole Guthrie and we're going to go to South Texas. I'm Karen Mode, and I'm going to South Texas with the youth. Awesome. And Glenn Guthrie up there running sound is also going to South Texas. This is an incredible sight to see, and I know that there are a few more people who aren't here today who are also serving on mission in some way this summer. And so I would love for us as the Calvary family to covenant to keep all of these people in prayer. If you haven't sent Mallory Herridge your name and where you're going, if you would do that so that we can have a record of that and we can continue to pray with you over the summer. But as we close today, I'm going to invite you all to spread out around the sanctuary. So a few of you can stay up here, but you can also spread down the aisles. Randall, would you lead the way for us? And a few people follow Randall, and a few people follow Michael Herter, and then the rest spread out across the front. And then I'd love, if someone is standing near you, I would love for you to reach out a hand and lay a hand and pray over them. And then our benediction will serve as the commissioning prayer over this group today. So the rest of Calvary, if you would stand, find someone nearby and lay a hand on them in prayer. And then I will close us in a moment in our prayer. And now may the God who calls all of us from this place journey with you as you go, wherever you are going. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in times of pain, giving strength for each and every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. As you travel, as you serve, as you love, as you give, as you listen, as you watch, and as you continue this journey, may God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound within you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.
go in peace. Amen.